that is why video is so powerful is because it's really easy to stick up a static image and you don't really know what's going on. But when you're showing off with your voice, your face, and you're kind of putting it all out there, your flaws, your quirks, your weirdness, people are attracted to that. And, and that is why video can move the needle so much quicker than other marketing initiatives. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sunira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who've made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so you can do it too. You're a real business now, and class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. I am so excited for today's podcast episode. We have Patrice Pulzer, who is a former Today Show producer, a Gracie award-winning journalist, an Emmy-nominated producer, and a CEO School Mastermind alumni. And she is the founder and CEO of Patrice Pulzer Creative, where she helps brands and particularly small business owners tell their brand story. So I'm really excited to have you. Welcome to the podcast, Patrice. Thank you. What an intro. I, uh, I I sound so impressive. I almost don't even recognize myself in, in the intro. I'm really excited to be here. You are so impressive. And I'm really excited because I think that especially in 2020, a lot of small businesses have been embracing marketing strategies that maybe we weren't in the past. And video is at the forefront of those. I know that I focused on video more this year than any other year in the seven years that I've been in business. So it's an honor to have you on the show. I'm super excited. So let's jump back. How did you get into journalism and production? So um, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, which is interesting because I was always one of those people that was very, very lost in my 20s. Um, I definitely backed into this whole entrepreneurship. So I, um, I, I was an intern at the age of 28 years old at CNN in London. And I remember being 28 years old and an intern and thinking, I am so behind Every single one of my peers was in their second, sometimes third promotion at their company. All my friends from the Midwest were engaged. Uh, I mean, I I felt like very separate from a lot of my peers. And I remember thinking like, who is an intern at 28? And And I remember even like being hyper aware of it because I remember starting my first day and someone, um, like, you know, asked me, assumed I was younger than what, than I was. And I remember just being in my head, like, wow, like if anyone knows that I'm actually almost 30 and I'm an intern, I'm going to be like found out. So anyway, just to kind of like set that context up because I felt very late to the game. So, but the reason I was late to the game is because um, I, I didn't really realize that I wanted to like go down the journalism route until I was a little bit later in life. Um, I sold books door to door for three years after college. You sold books door to door? Oh, I sold books. Yes. Not Bibles, but it was That was a job, a door to door bookstore. I, yes, it was like a hundred percent commission job. And I went all over the country 
And it's, it was like one of those experiences where I look back, I'm like, I, I don't know how I did that. I, don't know if I, can do, I couldn't do it now. Like I would be like so afraid of the rejection. But at the time I was just so lost. I was, when I say I was lost, I like, I was lost. I was telling books door to door in like Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so I think you're in good company though. I mean, my husband sold knives door to door. Sunera has talked about this before. She sold credit card terminals. I think there's a lot of pressure to be, to fit a certain mold. Like by the time you're 30, you need to have X, Y, Z. And I think there's a lot of people listening that it's probably a relief to hear you say that you didn't have your whole life figured out by the time you were 28. No, not at all. And so I and so so my last year selling books door to door, I was selling in California. And I remember I sold to a TV producer and I sold to his family. And he's like, I wasn't going to buy a single thing. And I just bought your entire basket of books. He goes, Have you thought about like you should do TV? He goes, or you should like get more, you know, get more into that. And and at that time, like I, I definitely had like taken like journalism stuff before, but I I just I couldn't, I didn't go that route. Like it was, at the time I graduated from college, if you didn't go the local reporter route and got your chops in like market 9,000 and crawled your way up, then there was just, that was how you got your start. Like YouTube wasn't around. Like yeah. none of that stuff was there for you to like be your own communicator or your own, you know, like host. So I, I didn't want to do that. And so I just didn't think there was an end for me. And so I sold books to this guy and he's like, have you ever thought about going to journalism? I'm like, well, actually, yes. And he goes, you should still do it. And I'm like, really? He goes, absolutely. He goes, you should do it. So I came back from California and at the time I was like 25 at this point. And I was like, you know what? Like maybe I'll start like looking into it. So I got a, I got an internship at a local, I was an internship for like four straight years. So I got an internship at 25 in Chicago. Tell me these are paid internships. <laughs> the, the, yes. I, yes, they were. <laughs> very, very small. Very small. So I started at like a local TV station in Chicago as an intern. Um, and then um, I was, then I started doing a, a public access show and I'm going to tell you the name of the show and you're going to think I'm lying and you're going to wonder what type of show it was. And the answer is no, it is not that type of show, but the show is called nude hippo, your Chicago show. And I am your, I was the esteemed host, which basically like I would go to Star Trek conventions. I'm not even joking you. And I would do these like ridiculous I look back, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I, I would, I, I would like go to Star Trek conventions and I would like host live at the local convention in some weird suburb in Illinois, or I would go to like a dog or like a cat racing contest. I mean, it was like the lowest hanging fruit television and the title was nude hippo. So, but I got experience like, because it yeah. was so weird. And so there was no rhyme or reason so I kind of started like getting into TV and like storytelling and, um, and from there it, things kind of started like moving forward. I love that so much because I feel like we've all had, or if you're listening, maybe you're in this moment right now where you're working just a really weird job. So for me, fun fact, I wrote SEO articles about bugs 
like literally spiders, uh, what are like cockroaches? <laughs> like, I don't even want to say it out loud. It's disgusting. Yeah. And I think that we all have these really random weird jobs that in the moment it feels like this is the, maybe, maybe it felt like a terrible job or maybe you feel like, how is this going to get me to where I want to go? But then looking back, it's so apparent. I mean, I'm thinking all of the experience you were exposed to, your ability to network with so many kind of kinds of different people now and create different stories. If you hadn't been at Star Trek conventions and then pet conventions and be able to switch from those like different niche communities back and forth and still find that, that thread. I mean, I guarantee that's helped you now. Would you agree with that? No, no. And you know what? The two singular things looking back. So like, then we can kind of fast forward, but, um, after I did this, 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 these crazy public access jobs and I actually did try then going the small town route and I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll be a local reporter. And so I went and went to the stations and anything in within like a hundred miles of, of Chicago. And I got rejected from every single, I probably got rejected a hundred times. Like every job, I could not get a job in like the lowest market in Illinois. And I remember the, the, this news director of the small station goes, I'm going to show you a video of a girl that we just hired. And then I'm going to show you your tape or your whatever, your, 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 your video. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he puts this like video in of this girl and she's like in front of the white house. And she's like, you know, reporting from DC and we're like the same age. And I was like, Oh God. And then like, literally like he like hit play on my, all I had was the only example stories I had was from this nude hippo nude show. Hippo. It was a variety. It was a weird show. And so it was me, like, I was so embarrassed and I was looking at me myself and her and I, he goes, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. He goes, but like, we're not, this is, we're not hiring. Like, this is not the right place for you. He goes, have you thought about going to grad school? You're a little unrefined. I totally call it unrefined. I was like, oh God, I'm like grad school. I've never thought of going to grad school. So I went to grad school. I applied to one grad school and I applied to Northwestern and I got into the program there. And that is when I really learned to like kind of, um, and the thing is I went to grad school at 26, 27 and I was older, but there was a, a, a beauty in that because I took it more seriously than like my 22 year old counterparts. Yeah. And I just, I, I was there for a reason. I was there to learn. I, and at the time you had to learn how to edit and you had to learn how to shoot video and you had to learn websites. And I, at the time I'm like, well, I don't want to do websites, but my professor is like, this, you have to, like, this is where everything is headed. So you need to learn all these skills. So I actually went to Northwestern for a year, learn those skills. And that is when I ended up getting this internship at CNN and it, you know, it, and it just kind of started paving the way. I love hearing that because um, I can't imagine it felt good for him to sit you down and basically say, Hey, here's a good tape and here's yours. <laughs> and oh no. You're very unrefined. Like that's oh, the no, worst no. feeling. And I'm not even exaggerating. That is exactly <laughs> how it happened. I, if I, it was literally like, it was the most pathetic exit of the newsroom. It was like, I had my tail between my legs. I was so embarrassed. And I'm like, I, I'm not even into Shrek. Like, I don't really like, to go to these conventions, but it's just part of the job. And I had to do, I mean, I felt yeah. just so dumb in that moment. Um, and but you so also I, had, 
like the self-awareness though, to say, okay, I'm going to go get the skills I don't have. I'm going to go get refined. And I think a lot of times we get that. It feels like negative feedback, but it's constructive feedback. And we say like, they just don't catch my vision or they don't think that I have potential instead of saying, okay, how can I take this and go to the next step? I remember when I first started creating content, feeling like I'm so good at this. I should have so many followers. And I think a lot of people feel that way. My content's so good. Nobody's here. And I look back on it and actually it wasn't good. (laughs) It was too terrible. And you have to go through that learning curve and have the self-awareness to take that constructive criticism. So you took the time, refined yourself, you went to grad school, went on to become an intern at CNN, you worked your way up, you're a producer at the Today Show, obviously really phenomenal, successful career, even if it did start, what, five years later than maybe your, your peers. Tell us about what made you decide to become an entrepreneur and what that transition was like leaving a steady paycheck to jumping into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So no, I was completely backed into entrepreneurship. I have never, I was never that person, you know, you always hear all these stories about when I was a little girl, I just knew I was going to be an entrepreneur and I had my own stand and I did this. Yeah. Never. I never, ever had that thought for even a nanosecond. I genuinely came from the school of thought that entrepreneurs were special people. They were born that way. They had a certain juju that I just didn't have. I couldn't even wrap my brain around like how you would want to be an entrepreneur. Like what idea do I, I don't have a good idea. Like it was so far outside the realm of what I could ever envision for myself. So, um, kind of backing up and just to kind of close off the book in the nude hippo story when I ended up getting an interview at the at NBC I was woefully underqualified under for the job I was applying to but I applied anyway and I ended up getting hired for this job and I'm still my boss my first boss is still a mentor of mine and he tells the story to people all the time but he said you are so underqualified for the job that I needed He goes, but the fact that you sold books for three years in a row and could get doors slammed in your face and the fact that like you were continually rejected for another year at local markets and still somehow managed to be sitting in my office in New York City, I figure I can teach this girl how to edit. I can teach her how to shoot. I can teach her how to write better, but I cannot teach the grit that it takes to go door to door. And so selling books door to door ended up being the reason I was able to even get a foot in the door at the Today Show seven years later. I just got goosebumps because I think that that's something we talk about a lot on this show and you'll hear me talk about it on Instagram. I don't believe that you can teach grit or resiliency. And I think it's the, one of the number one factors that leads to success. It's not, were you talented? That's never the question, right? It's not like, does she have the talent? It's, is she willing to keep working and getting back up? And it does say a lot about you, Patrice, and I have to just give you so much credit here even like working with you and watching your growth and journey, I do think you have incredible grit and resiliency and to sell door to door for three years takes a very special kind of person. And that's, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Okay. So then you ended up getting the job at NBC. Um, Tell us about, let's jump in. I think because a lot of people right now are maybe to have to be storytellers or journalists in a way that they never expected to be. So most people, when they start a business, they start a business because they have something they want to sell. They have an idea. They don't start a business because they want to be a writer or a journalist, but that is kind of sometimes what happens. So to someone that is starting a new business and doesn't know how to tell their story or worries they don't really have a story, what advice would you give to them to craft that brand story and make it compelling so people actually find them and their business grows? 
Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say to someone is that every single person does have a story. Even if you don't think your story is interesting or you don't think your story is impactful or you don't think your story is inspirational, I'm willing to bet that there are other people in this world and in this sphere that you're in that would. And that is the one thing that was really imparted on us when we were at the Today Show is, you know, most of the stories we do at the Today Show, you know, yes, they're celebrity stories, but in large part, it is everyday people. It is everyday Americans. It is small businesses. It's taking people that have never had any camera experience and putting them live on television or like coming to their town and doing a story on something cool that they're doing or, you know, initiative that they run. Um, and these are just quote unquote normal people, right? So I would encourage you that to kind of think outside of the box in the sense that you do have a story because only you have gone on your path to get to, to where you are. And odds are it, it's it's been sprinkled with obstacles. It's been sprinkled with challenges. And if you can come outside the other side of those challenges, that is what's interesting to people. People like, you know, it's the standard. It's like, you know, the, the, the problem, the solution, the climax, and then the resolution. Like there's a very traditional arc to, to storytelling. And when we would be writing scripts for the Today Show, we followed a structure. And, and, and if you can put a, a, you know, a story within context of that like problem resolution, um, which, not to get too lingoy here, but more like, you know, what was the problem? How did you solve the problem? And what what happened after you solved that problem? What did what did life look like after that? That is just something that human beings are attracted to. And so, every, most of the time, every person or every business or every founder who launched an idea the business idea is a result of a problem they saw or experienced themselves and thought that they had the resolution to that. So you have a story, otherwise you wouldn't be starting a business. And if you are starting a business that does not have a problem to solve, you should probably rethink your business. You probably shouldn't be starting that business because it might not be that successful. That's really good advice. I'm over here just like being quiet because yes, I want you to say it again louder. And I think that one of the things that I hear a lot is like, but I don't have a story or I don't know how to tell my story. So um, absolutely every single business owner has a story, but walk us through, if you're not a award-winning journalist and I have to sit down, I'm a new entrepreneur. I have to sit down and write my story. What is that formula? What is that story arc and how would you do that? Can you just walk us through that step-by-step process? Yeah, so um what I do with a lot of clients that we have, big and small, solopreneurs, doesn't matter, is quite often um, a lot of projects that we do are, you know, can you create us a mission-based video about how we started? Can you create a founder story? So we're often walking into businesses not knowing anything about the business or not knowing anything about the founder. So we have a, um, a process and it's called the four F's. And essentially, we run all of our clients through our 4F process. And the 4F process to kind of start digging into the story. So the first F starts for founder. Okay, so there's probably a list of like 15 to 20 questions that we ask that relate to the founder. Give us some sample questions. Yeah, some sample questions might be like, um, 
Was there a moment when the light bulb went off and you knew you had to start insert idea? Can you tell us about that? Can you tell us about that moment? Um, when things, um, you know, when things are really low and, you know, being in, being in business is hard and, and you don't want to get out of bed in the morning because things aren't going your way. What is the one thing in your idea that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? So we ask these kind of these deeper questions that force some of these very like type A, you know, very one brain founder, go, go, go achievers. They have to kind of inner reflect. And so we kind of start to gather this picture of like, what is the fire underneath the founder? Okay. Then, then we move on to, um, we move on to following, right? So who is the most important part of your business? I mean, you're the queen of this. It's, it's your audience. It's the people that you're helping. And so oftentimes a lot of businesses, even if they've had success, they haven't dove deep enough into the value they're providing to their customers or to their audience. So we have another series of maybe 15 to 20 questions where we ask the founder about the, or the company about their following. Okay. Some examples for following questions might be like, um, you know, tell me about three of your best clients or three of your best customers. What did they say about you? Um, you know, tell me about, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of the customer avatar work and, and, and just nailing exactly why someone would come to you over at the 20,000 other people in your space. Um, the third part of the process is um, follower, founder, facts. So this sounds very simple, but competitive landscape. So we ask a lot of questions about, okay, like who are the top five competitors in your space? Like, you know, just very fact-based questions just to kind of get a lay of the land of their industry. And then the last bucket we ask is about future. And we start asking businesses. And so we, 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 what we do is we paint a very clear, once we get all these questions, and there's like 80 questions or so that we put businesses and solopreneurs through. But once you start mapping that out and you start flushing it out, you start seeing themes. You start seeing words that they see a lot. You start seeing um, like almost like idea trees. And so that all of a sudden we start bucketing those ideas and themes and words into another sheet <laughs> that becomes essentially the core foundation for why they exist and why they do what they do. Um, and depending on what type of story that we're telling, whether it's a story about the founder, whether it's a story about their service, whether it's an explainer video about what their product does, whether it's a case study about their best clients, we then tap into those different questions and answers, and then we apply our script arc to those stories. I'm literally taking notes so I can make sure that we're all on the same page. So get your paper and pens out. This is so good. I've been taking notes over here. And this is the same process you've taken. Like you've worked with Lululemon, Lego. I mean, you've worked with some really big name brands in the space. And this is still the same process for these big companies that you sit down, the four Fs, right? 100%. And the beautiful thing is now the difference between, so I work with big brands, but I also work with really small brands and small businesses. And the only difference is that the bigger brands have more money. So the bigger brands can outsource. So they can have the creative director or the marketing team. So what the difference is, is I'm not dealing with the Lululemon founder. I'm right. dealing with the Lululemon marketing team, right? Yeah. And oftentimes they've done some of this work, but you'd be surprised because market 
market research work is not the exact same as video brand storytelling work. We need different types of questions answered. That's just not straight up. Who's your ideal client? Where do they shop? How much money do they make? What do they have for breakfast? Like, to be honest with you, I don't really care about a lot of that stuff because for our purposes, for our video storytelling purpose, it doesn't matter. So the video storytelling, I call it, we need to build your storytelling library. Those questions within that storytelling library are, they're not the exact same as marketers where the solopreneurs and the small businesses um, they often, maybe they've done a little bit of it, but it's often they not because they don't know where to start. Or maybe they've done customer avatar work because yeah. that's kind of like, all right, I get it. I need to know who my ideal customer is, but they haven't gone deeper into that. Um, and, and, and that is where you start to see like storytelling themes that you then could translate into video. And I would argue whether you are a massive company like Lululemon or it's just, you know, you as as a solopreneur that these things change and you have to kind of stay on top of it. I know our customer avatar changes or transitions. The way that we tell a story is different now than it was a year ago and the themes that you're focusing on. So even if you have a really established business, these are something that CEO school, we're always going back to like, okay, what are, we called it our storytelling library. I love that. So I want to recap before we go on because that was so good. The four that you go through. And I think that this would be, I'm getting really excited about the idea of doing, having empty walls and sticky notes and, <laughs> and, and answering these questions. And as you were asking them, I was thinking these are such good ideas for content too, which is the same thing, right? It's if you're going to create reels. So awesome. So the, the first one was founder. And these are questions basically about like why you started, why you get out of bed in the morning. You mentioned, you called it the founder's fire. And I love that really Mm -hmm. figuring out what is driving your whole business and why are you doing this? The second was your following. So getting really clear on who you're serving, who your favorite customers have been, what their transformation has been like, what that looks like. The third was facts, which I think is something that sometimes we kind of disregard because it's kind of boring if I'm being honest. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What's going on, um, what your competitors are doing or statistics and things like that. But it's a really important part of any story. You have to, have and that's where you start to see the white space because you know once you kind of can start mapping out, and it's not like you, you're, you know, I, I don't, I know people are like, I don't look at anyone else, I just keep my head down. Which it's not about comparing yourself to make yourself feel bad or go down a vortex spiral of shame on Instagram. It's literally just like, please don't do oh. that. <laughs> I mean, I've never done that, so no, I don't never, never like ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> Never felt bad about, you know, when I go on my social media. No, but, you know, it's more just like, no, it's like being a, a, a big girl, right? You need to understand the, the context of the industry that you're operating in. And you need to understand, I think, like, just for example, there are a lot of people in my space who teach video and there are so many good people that are doing it. And if I were to compare myself all the time to what I'm not doing that they are, I would, I wouldn't be able to do what I do, but it's good for me to be aware of what they are doing. Cause as then I can go back to my founder question and I can go back to my following questions. I'm like, you know what my fire and the reason my followers follow me, it's not because I'm a gearhead nerd and I like, you know, can tell you, you know, the 20,000 different Canon cameras in their spec, but someone else should probably go to this person and get video. So it, it actually, the knowing the facts only solidifies 
um, your uniqueness. A hundred percent. And what that white space looks like. So you can get clear on telling those stories and being clear on who you are and, and who you're not so that people can you know find the right place to be. So um, facts. And then the last one was future. Remind me a little bit more about that. Yeah, the future, um, you know, as, as you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day that it's really hard to forecast the future. But I realized, you know, and I've been, and I know we'll get into this, but I've been in business myself now where it'll be coming on four years in February. It's not a crazy long time, but I, I've gotten better. And I think because of that, I, and I now take time every year to think about what am I doing? And I actually got a lot of this from you is focus on the needle movers and disregard the other things, especially if you're a solopreneur, it's impossible. You have to wear all the hats anyway, in the beginning, you just do. And so you really do have to just focus on the ones that move. And the only way to focus on the things that move is by having some clarity on where you want to be in the future. So we talk a lot about the future with a lot of our clients, because also too, then, and not just like esoteric, but as simple as what's coming up for the holidays? Like what's, what cool stories can we tell around Christmas? I mean, just stuff like that. So you can plan videos. Yeah. And I think even from like a storytelling perspective, and you were the storytelling expert here, but aspirational stories are like, we want to be a part of something and not, nobody actually wants to be a follower. I'm a big believer of that. We want to be a part of a movement. We don't want to be, you know, blindly following someone. So if you can tell stories about here's what we're going to accomplish, here's the the difference we're going to make in the world, I found that people will really kind of stand next to you and, and not necessarily behind, behind, but next to you to help with that idea. So it's a story that people, I think, would you agree, can attach themselves to a lot? 100%. And one of my, actually, I'll just kind of give you an example to support that. So um, she is, um, I helped her out. She's a solopreneur and um, I helped her out getting over her fear of going on camera. And she has now like started, you know, she's got a, a big TikTok following. She's got a, not a very big Instagram following, but she is incredibly successful in monetizing her audiences. And what she did was um, because she's, she's in her twenties and she looked up to a woman who is probably like in her thirties, who's a mom who lives in New York and they were in similar spaces, different audiences because this woman's 26 and the other woman's, I don't know, maybe she's like 35. And so she reached out after she kind of started getting a presence on TikTok and started having more to do on Instagram stories, reached out to this woman and they do Instagram lives now together. And it's because she knows that she wants to eventually be where Hitha is, right? She's not where Hitha is now, but yeah. she wants to be what Hitha is doing, but maybe do the version of the 27 year old version or 26 year old version of Hitha. So it's just, it's important to know the space and then to also know the future because you can actually then work backwards and create action items for yourself. And being associated with Hitha has been a game changer for her little business and her community. That's so smart. And I can't agree more. Like if there's something that you want to be or do, go find someone who's doing it already. None of us are reinventing the wheel. You don't have to start from from scratch. You can be unique and special in yourself and still follow proven paths to get to where you want to go. Okay. I want to hear before, I feel like there's a million more questions I want to ask. I know. I feel like we need to jump from the Today Show. We need to jump from the Today Show to how I started business really quick. Yeah, I would actually, I would love 
love to hear what are the core videos. So if I'm getting started with my business on social media or building a website, whatever, what are the like maybe three main videos that I should be doing or should be creating to have the biggest impact in the business? So, I mean, it's a good question. It's a bit of a layered question because when you are a small business and a solopreneur, odds are you don't have the budget to outsource your production. So in a, if you're starting out and you literally have never done video, the biggest piece of advice that I give is to use every single available free platform that does video available to you. Do not just go to a production company. Don't even just go to the shooter editor guy on Craigslist or the friend of a friend of a friend who can shoot you a video for like eight, 500 bucks a day because you don't know what you don't know yet. So as a, as a small business person starting out, if you're not using Instagram stories, if you're not using LinkedIn stories, LinkedIn now has stories in the same way that um, Instagram does. If you're, if you're not using TikTok, if you're not using a free video platform to market yourself, your idea and your business, then you should definitely not be spending money on professional video because the professional video that you would spend money on is not going to be the same. You might not even have the same business in six months. So you're best off just getting into the habit of becoming your own megaphone. Because in today's world, you're your best cheerleader. You're your best. That's why founders are so great because founders, there's no more, there's no one more passionate about your business than you. And so if you are not going to show up and put your face and your voice and talk to your people or your future tribe, why on earth would you expect people to watch videos that you maybe put on your website? Like people don't come to websites. People find websites through social media platforms. Start with the free platforms. Find out what works for you. Start doing some series. Even if it's like every Monday you're showing up on Instagram stories and you're going to give like a tip about fill in the blank what you do. And if you're starting to get good good traction on that, then you can kind of start taking notes. Like maybe within the year, I would want to maybe upscale that production. Um, put yourself out there. And if you're starting that you're attracting clients or people are asking to work with you, okay, maybe I do have a good idea. Then maybe you could think about putting money into hiring someone to help you do a founder video that can have a little bit more longer shelf life, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And I know I follow you on Insta stories and I'm not, you're gonna have to remind me who was joining us for our walk through Brooklyn and was chatting about Insta stories. But we found that the more produced things are, the less engagement they get. And there's still a time and in place, absolutely, for those really nice produced videos. And as your business becomes more established, but to get the most bang for your buck for most people, I'd say it actually, it would if I take a video on my Canon 60 and then I take the same one on my iPhone, the iPhone one will get more engagement. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Well, so definitely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a time and a place for really highly produced videos. And I think um, when you, first of all, people are attracted to raw gritty behind the scenes. Um, You know, even at the today show in my final years there, we started actually when we trying to book experts or celebrities, we actually were looking more for influencers. So the tone, the tide started to shift and even who we wanted to put on the show as the face of an expert. We didn't necessarily want the celebrity that everyone knew. We kind of wanted like, who has that following of like 50,000 
followers on Instagram, but their people are just like crazy mad about what they do. Those were the people that we would start asking our booking team. Like, can you give me a list of the top 10 people in the wellness space that no one knows about in mainstream media, but everyone knows about, you know, on Instagram. And so just, and that was, that was four years ago. I I haven't been at Today Show in four years now. So it's only increasing because people, there's more accessibility now because of video. And you, so you feel like you know someone better. And um, I want to learn from someone and hear from someone that um, is celebrities are, can be a bit inaccessible. People want yeah. to feel like you really relate to different people. And, the, and that is why video is so powerful is because it's really easy to stick up a static image and it could, you don't really know what's going on, but when you're showing off with your voice, your face, and you're kind of putting it all out there, your flaws, your quirks, your weirdness, people are attracted to that. And, and that is why video can move the needle so much quicker than other marketing, other marketing initiatives. It's so cool to hear you say that too, because I think that for a lot of us, we we get over, especially as female entrepreneurs, we get overwhelmed with perfectionism. Like I don't have, like I can't afford a, a, a professional video or I don't have access to the right people. Like I'm not famous or important. I'm not verified, right? And I think sometimes we tell ourselves those stories, but what's really cool, what we have an opportunity to do right now with video and with social media is create these like grassroots companies. You know, I know our business, we started from, Instagram, like from the ground up from Instagram, right? And the fact that now it's almost like a switch. And those are the stories that Today Show wants to tell, right? I think sometimes we feel like, oh, we have this barrier to entry that just honestly doesn't exist anymore. Anybody can be an entrepreneur. Anyone. And you know what? And if you are an entrepreneur in 2020 and beyond, you cannot start a business or an idea without having a video strategy. And that does not mean that you need to spend a lot of money. I mean, I come from a Today Show, so I, it's, it's funny. So what I do now is completely opposite. Like I used to operate in these worlds where, you know, you have crews and, you know, I mean, my God, you would have an interview and it would be like 20 people with like, like, that's not reality anymore. And actually it's the people that, and I have a, you know, a lot of my really great friends are still there but the landscape and the industry has changed and it's the people that can edit. It's the people that know how to shoot. We don't need you to be the best shooter in the world. We don't need you to be the best editor in the world, but we need you to have those like that proficiency and tech technical skill. You combine that with a powerhouse writer or a powerhouse ability to like tell a story. I mean, those are the people that are in demand. So you know, there's been a big switch even in the way that stories are told. They, it doesn't need to be super polished anymore in order for it to be impactful. Yeah, I think it's so comforting too for everybody listening. You know, you don't have to be the best writer. You don't have to have fancy equipment. If you have something you're passionate about, that founder's fire, right? I'm going to use that. I will credit you forever. If you have that founder's <laughs> fire and a phone and access to any one of the free social media apps that we all have access to, like you have everything that you need. So before we finish for the day, I would love to hear you've obviously, you were in a really successful job and you went out and started your own business. What advice would you give to someone that is thinking about jumping into entrepreneurship or thinking about a side hustle, but just really doesn't, hasn't taken the the dive? What advice would you give? Um, so it is not an overnight success type of proposition. So I think if you are 
starting your own business or you're getting into it because you see the shininess that a lot of social media tells you being an entrepreneur is, it could not be more of the opposite. Um, so I think my biggest advice is, is that if you think you have an idea and you think it's good and you have a little bit of validation in the beginning that it could go, just know that it's probably going to take you at least three years to honestly get in a groove because the first year is kind of a wash. I mean, look, you have your random flukes where people just hit it out of the park or they just go from zero to 180. But you know what's also happening quite a lot in this, in, especially in this female entrepreneurship world, and especially now I live in New York. So I'm tapped into a lot of amazing communities, but you get a lot of these kind of founder stories that gloss over. I come from a lot of money or I actually, you know, <laughs> had immense privilege and was able to start a business, but also like have a million dollars. So a lot of these like bootstrapping stories that you hear from female founders that are on the circuit at these keynotes and these industry events, they can make you think entrepreneurship is a glamorous overnight thing. But yeah. as someone who did not have that and did not have anyone funding me. And it was very scary. I was backed into a corner. My husband was at a startup. I actually got fired from, there was an in-between job between the Today Show and starting a business. And um, I got pushed out of this company after only three months. It was it was really scary. And I had a newborn and I had a toddler and I was the health insurance provider. And so I had two options. I could go back to the Today Show and my boss is like, come on back. But I was I just felt like kind of lame, like that's lame. I left yeah. to go do this dream job that I thought I was taking a dream job and it, more than the Today Show because the Today Show was a pretty freaking <laughs> awesome job, but this other startup job was supposed to be like my dream, dream job. I like made it on paper, Yeah, didn't work out. And then I was left with nothing and I was like, okay, I can go back to the Today Show or I noticed there was a white space in the video industry that a lot of businesses and brands didn't know how to tell stories. And so I knew how to tell stories. So I'm like, well, if I can tell stories instead of like marketing people telling stories from a journalist hat, then I think I can do this. And so that's, that's what I did, but it, it was scary. And it, it took me three, like I'm going into my fourth year and I will say that I probably only really got a stride in the past 18 months. So it took me almost three years to feel like I don't need to like grow food, like in a yard somewhere. Like I can breathe a little bit that I'm on the right path. So if you don't have three years in you to kind of go through the struggles, the really, really, really deep lows, then you might want to rethink starting something because it might not, that might not be a great fit for your life. I think that's really good advice. And I, I really relate to your story of a similar path to entrepreneurship. And I think that there's actually something really cool and special that sometimes people like you and I that did have to bootstrap it and didn't have an option. Uh, and, and you're like, you were in a similar s situation where you had kids and I was the sole provider for my two children and my husband and failure was not an option. And I actually think sometimes that can be a really beautiful gift because when you have no option but to find a way, you're going to find a way. And I think sometimes that I've seen people that do have more privilege there and not to say that I, I, I have a ton of privilege. It was yeah. had my education paid for and things like that, but it there's something beautiful about just saying like, hey, this is what I want. There is no plan B. The plan B is find another way to make plan A work. And yeah. I'm 
going to make it happen. And I think something too that you were, you mentioned that really stood out to me was this idea of hidden wealth and also hidden debt. And I think sometimes we look at other people's stories when we're looking for someone to aspire to be, right? We never know anybody's full story. And so I think it could, there can be a lot of inspiration, but also some some danger in saying like, well, they were able to make their first hire by this time or hit this revenue by this time. And I think really giving yourself permission to say, hey, my path is my path alone. And I'm going to give myself the time to, I mean, three years is a long time. I had a really similar slow burn. It's a long time to be making $30,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally just hit recently, like, uh, like last year, like past what I was making, you know, at the Today Show. And that was four years ago. And I mean, so for four years, I actually went backwards in making money, but but my husband had taken the risk and he was leaving his corporate job. And we thought that I was in this stable four-year startup that I was just going to fly and I had equity, you know. Fun jokes. Like, yeah. And then it like ended up for like 90 days. I'm like, well, that didn't go according to plan. Now what? And now he's like, I don't know. You're on the insurance. I'm like, fuck. So it was, yeah. So like it is a lot of step backwards, but I think as any entrepreneur knows, and you know, like you have developed a whole different side of my business that I didn't even know was possible until last year. Honestly, like I, you know, I never had any digital online courses or teaching and you were the one that encouraged me to think outside my box thinking of, no, I only work with clients and I do custom video packages. So you're not kind of like a lover of learning new things and you are afraid to be vulnerable and say, I don't know what I don't know and I need help and you're not willing to kind of wait it out for a few years, entrepreneurship is not for you because you need to be able to do all those things in order to hit your groove. But when you hit your groove, then that's when things can kind of start moving quickly. But those first few years are not easy. Even if you have money, it's not, it's still not easy. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that that's just uh, really encouraging to hear too. Like if it's taking a long time, you're not alone. You're in good company. If it's hard for you, you're not alone. And I think if you do have that love of learning, I'm kind of an addict. (laughs) I absolutely love being challenged all the time and figuring out the next thing. So entrepreneurship, I truly think is like the most fun roller coaster you'll ever be on if you're willing to just strap in for the ride. Um, So before we wrap, I would love to hear about, okay, for everyone listening, how can they work with you? Tell us about your video mastermind. And I know you've got a new course coming up. Yeah, no. Well, so thank you. And this is not an icon plug, but it's an icon plug (laughs) because this would not be made possible without taking your your amazing program last year that genuinely changed my life and I you're not paying me she's not paying me to say this everyone um but so I I'm a service-based business I have a boutique video agency and I've had the um privilege of working with some really awesome brands but as a I'm a mom I'm about to have you know my third kid I'm hustling to shoot. You get to a point where you're like, I don't want to, do I really want to be lugging tripods and lights and camera equipment? How long am I going to do this for? You know, when you're in a service space, it takes a lot out of you. So um, within the past year, I've developed this whole other side of my business where I now teach other entrepreneurs and other small business owners how they can do video effectively for their business Um, and use video to grow. So I run video masterminds where we get into the nitty gritty of storytelling. A lot of people think about video as gear and the tech and the lights and they get really overwhelmed. 
But honestly, we don't even talk about video or gear or equipment until week three or four, because it is not that important compared to the foundational elements of understanding your story and your audience. So we focus a lot on that. And we use a lot of the principles that I learned through, you know, a lot of years in media when you have, you know, 20 minutes to air a story and you got to bust out a script and it better be good or you're not going to make error. You learn a lot of the tricks of the trade on how to rate effectively, how to make sure no one's turning that channel after a second. So we take all those journalism principles and we apply it to small businesses. And I also am working on right now a DIY course where, you know, if you can't do the live mastermind, you can still get access to some of my script templates Not everyone's a born writer. Writer is a skill and you have to constantly be getting better at writing. But some but writing for video is very different than writing a blog post or writing an article or writing a longer essay. So we I have a lot of templates that, you know, people can purchase if they just need sort of a fill in the blank, tried and true. I need to make a founder script. I need to do an explainer video. So we kind of break it down into structures. I'm trying to make video less scary for people. I want to make video fun. At the end of the day, video is fun. And quite often it's just ripping that bandaid and it's being committed to just showing up, even if it's on Instagram stories or TikTok or something very low level. But the more you do it, you're going to start to get that feedback loop because people will respond to you. You're going to get more comfortable. So just getting started with video is the first step in becoming really great at video. I completely agree. It's a muscle that you keep flexing and I cannot recommend learning from Patrice enough. I have learned so much from your Insta stories and I've actually seen some of your scripts. They are phenomenal. I love working from scripts when I am writing. I think that none of us need to recreate the wheel. So I cannot recommend your mastermind or courses enough. So go, you guys check Patrice out. Patrice, where can we find you on Instagram, learn about your courses? Where do you hang out? Yeah. Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, So it's at my full name is Patrice Poltzer, P-A-T-R-I-C-E-P-O-L-T-Z-E-R. And I'm super responsive on DMs and I'm on Instagram most days. Um, so yeah, that is definitely the best way. You can sign up for my newsletter where I give out free tips every week for video. I talk about the different clients I'm working on, brand clients, but how we, how small business owners can apply a lot of the same knowledge. So uh, yeah, newsletter, Instagram, those are the two best ways. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. Go give Patrice a follow. She's truly one of my favorite Insta stories specifically to follow. And lately she's been doing a series with other friends in New York and teaching us about video and storytelling. So I guarantee you'll love hanging out over there. Patrice, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to invite you to follow CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible free resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building seven and eight figure businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you completely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast why you love listening, screenshot the review, and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. See you in the next class.